0: screen I'd like to talk for a little while I'm not sure this is although we will be looking at scripture today as we do every Sunday morning I'm not sure this is as much a sermon as it is a family talk and we find that in the second and third chapters of the last book of the Bible Revelation Jesus speaks specifically to seven churches like if he was to have a message for Central Assembly this morning. These were seven real churches in the western part of Turkey in the first century. And one of those churches is Philadelphia. Now this was not our Philadelphia. In fact, Pastor Josh, our worship pastor and I were in Philadelphia this past week, by God's grace in spite of ice storms. And uh, Josh led worship and I preached in chapels at University of Valley Forge and we spoke in classes. And it was A wonderful time, although I was painfully aware that uh, our city, Kansas City, is playing Philadelphia in the um, Super Bowl next week. So I was not there as an endorsement of the Eagles, Uh, but I tell you, the Lord used Pastor Josh mightily this past week there. Um, It's just that student body just came into the presence of God, and it was a joy working together as we do every Sunday. But this is to an ancient Philadelphia 2,000 years ago. In verse 7 of Revelation chapter 3, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words, this is Jesus speaking, these are the words of him who is holy and true. That's the Jesus we worship today. And who holds the keys, the key of David. David was a king, and it was promised to him that one of his descendants would be the Messiah who would sit on a throne and his rule would never end. And, but it's this idea that David had a key, the key to the days ahead, the key to the kingdom of God. So he uses that key image that, to then say, what he opens with that key, no one can shut. And what he, Jesus, shuts, no one can open. Now I talked about this I actually spoke on this in our online service on Sunday, January 1st, to begin this year. This is the picture that God's given me as we started this year. And I really wanted to revisit it again today, uh, especially because of the next verse. I feel like the Lord's saying to this to us as a church. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door, an open door that no one can shut. Philadelphia itself was considered a gateway city, a gateway to the east. And so he picks up on that very understanding and said, I'm gonna make you a gateway. I'm gonna open a door that you can walk through. And the question is, uh, now given that we have a a future not encumbered by mortgage payments, a debt-free future, what kind of door? What kind of doors might the lord be opening for us and i'd like to take us i'd like to take a glimpse at that through that open door today now because we're celebrating your generosity and god's miraculous provision for us financially i would like to first of all take a financial look through that door and a few of the implications of uh of what we've celebrated today then i like to take a short strategic look in terms of some of our next steps as a church through that door and then finally a prayerful look as we close in prayer so i know your deeds see i have placed before you an open door that no man can shut so i look through that open door i the financial look first of all and uh our our bread and butter as a church is is what we call our general fund or or our tithe fund tithe means 10%. And part of the spiritual discipline of many of our lives to renounce the godhood of money over our lives and to prioritize the mission of Jesus is that we give 10% of, of what we earn to the local church. Where the children and the young people and the adults that will change the world are nurtured from week to week. The community of Christ, the church that Jesus bought with his own blood. And we give a 10%. Like my friend, Pastor Rob Ketterling, likes to say, hearts touched by God, respond with a 10th. And this is just, I've done this since I was a little kid. We gave, we give 10%. And so we sometimes call this just the tithe fund. Tithe means 10%. It is our bread and butter. It is our operational fund for the life of the church. And it is that fund, that tithe fund, out of which we've been paying our mortgage payment up until now. We paid our last mortgage payment somewhere in the last few days of 2022. Our treasurer, Kenton DeVries, who's been so used of the Lord over the years, uh, working with Pastor Carter in our financial management of our church, uh, he went in to Commerce Bank and with a smile on his face, he wrote the final check and we were debt free. Thank God. And uh, that came out of our tithe fund, that came out of our, our, our general fund. So I have bad news for you today and I have good news. The bad news that is, is that our mortgage payment is only 10 or 12% of our overall budget. So you can imagine if you could save 10 or 12% in your own personal budget, how fast that would go. <laughs> But the good news is it's 10 or 12% of our budget. This now gives us flexibility, gives us opportunity. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, we don't need a tithe fund anymore, but it, it does mean we have flexibility. And I'm, I'm gonna share when I get to the really good part of this, this section, is that it's gonna allow us to give more, investing in nations all over the world. It's gonna allow us to invest in the future of our buildings here. And in our facilities that God's given us without having to go into debt. And uh, that's, that's the great news. It's gonna give us also margin, the margin we're needed. Now in 2015, when Pastor Jeff and you as a congregation decided to start paying down this debt, you didn't know that in 2022, 2023, inflation would hit us as, as, as viciously as it has. And it's just sort of God ordained that at this moment, Uh, we have extra funds Um, uh, labor costs are have really been skyrocketing this past year the cost of supplies uh, for instance even in our kids ministry the little cups they use i mean they've gone up 40 percent in price the last few months Um, the the cost of equipment when 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 we need to replace an air conditioner or something uh, that's skyrocketed and 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 just the cost of utilities hello just the man i look at my utility bill the other day like ouch i mean and and we're feeling the same thing in this house and so thank god that it gives us it gives us some some extra maneuverability at a time where our congregation is growing but inflation has been growing at even a greater percent and so it's going to give us some god-given flexibility and and Here's here's been our strategy with our tithe fund. In addition to trying to get past the mortgage, give us more flexibility. We have been, with our staffing and with our ministry investments, we've been shifting more and more to family ministries area. Pastor Josh, our family ministries pastor, which includes all the way from college ministry and Pastor Daniel to our high school with Pastor Chris and middle school with Pastor Casey and children with... uh, with Pastor Jill and her part-time assistant, Amelia, and all the way down to preschool with Tiffany, and we got the best nursery in the country with, with Helen Ray. And I want to tell you, we are investing a large part of our resources into the next generation. Uh, I was in Philadelphia this week, I was in Ohio the week before, and in both places I kept running into people who said, oh, I, w- I was in the children's ministry at Central. I was, I was in the youth group at Central. I volunteered when I was a college student at Central. And I want to tell you the footprint of people that have invested in as young people here is all over the world right now. And, and we just want to see that go to the next level. And that's thanks to our tithe fund. And speaking of young people, I want to go the opposite end of the age spectrum. I, My hat's off to those of you who are older, uh, our seniors. I mean, you have really carried a huge part of what we've now accomplished. Not only our tithe fund, but in paying off our debt. Thank God for you. The studies, the statistics around the country, which are making a lot of people worried about the future of churches like ours in the next 20 years, the statistics are indicated that most of the giving is happening by people over 55 years old. And for some reason, if you're over 55, this is your national statistics, and and you have kids in church, I mean, the statistics say your kids are not nearly as generous as you are to the church, whether that be for philosophic reasons or or financial reasons. And you know what? I don't see what anybody gives, but when we look at our data, we would say we're not as bad as the national average is that way, but we are somewhat biased that way as well. In many ways, this tithe fund is carried in a major way by, by those in the older half of our congregation. And we thank God for those of you in the younger half that are doing what it takes to tithe and to give. But kudos to you. I just wanted to say something in tribute to you. And I'm going to be very honest with you. We also have a congregation with a lot of credentialed Assemblies of God ministers in it. I think we have 200 or 250 ministers in our church. We're the weirdest church in America. <laughs> and some of you experienced pastors make me, like, nervous when I get up to preach. But as you know, if you're a credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God, anywhere from half to 100% of your tithes have to go to your district. So We have long lists of names, Pastor Carter tells me. Of, of people, and you give to missions, and you've given to paying off our debt, but all your tithes have to go somewhere else, and so the tithe fund's not a part of your giving. And so it makes it all the more remarkable the load that everybody else carries. And We're so grateful for you. Don't forget the tithe fund, but we celebrate that. It's amazing that that has continued to be as strong as it has while we work on being debt free. But now that we don't have to take pay our mortgage, Here's the next fund we have, Footprint Fund. And this is fantastic. This is what we support. This is what we celebrate every week. And you know how we've been saying that we support 200 missionaries and missions organizations out of what you give above your ties to our global and generational footprint. Well, in our board meeting, now that we're debt free and now that we have more financial flexibility, we decided to take some of what we would pay in mortgage and subsidize our footprint more in addition to what you're giving to footprint. And uh, I've never been in a board meeting like this two and a half weeks ago. We added 26 new missionaries to our roster. Thank you, Jesus. Five of them are live dead missionaries in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. We can't even name their names. Others of them are missionaries to Austria, Japan, South Pacific, Malawi, the Caribbean, Ethiopia, Ecuador. We we, we approve support for people, missionaries in the U.S. here to rural America, to Native American communities in the U.S., to secular universities through CAI Alpha. Uh, We we added organizations like Light for the Lost on a monthly basis, Speed the Light, Convoy of Hope, Good Samaritan's Boys Home. I mean, we just did all that two and a half weeks ago because we now have more disposable income now that we're debt free. And we've also approved a prayer trip to Thailand as a part of the Change the Map Initiative to see Jesus reach the Buddhist world we're sending. We've already hand-selected the people that will be going in November. We're gonna celebrate another big missions project, $25,000 this coming month for Footprint Fund. We'll be encouraging you to give to in Tanzania, amazing things happening there. Listen, this is allowing us to expand the footprint. Hallelujah. While we're busy just raising the missionaries and the business people of the future here in the church through our tithe fund, our footprint fund, just allowing us to go. Thank you for making that possible. And then two and a half weeks ago in our board meeting, we approved uh, another fund because many of you are saying, I want to keep giving to our facilities. I want to keep giving to like like 2020 or 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 finish line project but but we've hit the finish line on debt reduction but we'd like to keep going so we approved a brand new fund it's called the full speed facilities fund this is going to allow us to go full speed into the future if you would like to continue to give to facilities over and above the tide fund over and above footprint fund as many of you have been asking us about uh, this will do it this will allow us without having to go into debt again to expand our facilities So two and a half weeks ago There's many parts of our buildings that need a facelift Ongoing maintenance is always an issue so we can create spaces for people to meet God And so we two and a half weeks ago. We also our board greenlighted uh, This the a search for an architectural firm that will help us to do a five-year master plan for the development of our facilities And we can now do this because we're debt-free And we thank God for that. And so when you go to our website or if you use our giving or or, or if you use a giving envelope, uh, this is what you'll see. You'll see tithes. you'll You'll see our footprint missions fund. And you'll see our full speed facilities fund. Thank you for your generosity. All this is because this next step is because we've reached this milestone. And this milestone is symbolic of an inflection point we're at as a church in other areas as well. So I just want to look through the open door that God's given us. And now look, take a brief look at strategically through that open door. And there's three strategic priorities that with our pastoral team, we are looking at right now in moving ahead in the days ahead. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. That's why I worded these statements the way I have. First of all, strategically, Let's think outreach in everything we do. Now that we've paid off our debt, it's not the time to start looking inward. There's tons of people in Springfield who need a church like ours. There's tons of people in Springfield who need Jesus. And let's keep looking out. I mean, in everything we do, your your life group, your your Sunday morning Christian education class, your whenever we're doing an event here at church, always thinking, who could I be inviting? How how can I keep thinking of everything I see and experience in church in terms of people that need Jesus and people that need a church and how could I be doing this? So I want to invite you this morning as we go into the next era of our church life. Let's think outreach in everything we do. When Paul went to the city of Philippi, uh, and started that church. When he first arrived there, there were no Christians at all in that city. And in Acts 16, verse 14, there was a lady named Lydia listening, and it said, Lydia, the Lord, opened her, Lydia's heart, to respond to Paul's message. That became very real to me before one of our Christmas events a couple of years ago. In fact, I, I emailed our staff team and people involved, and I said, this is how we need to be praying. God, in Springfield, would you open people's hearts? In an era of dechurchness churchedness and, 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 and the, the disassimilation of faith and the deconstruction of faith, oh God, I believe by your spirit we can go the opposite way in people's lives. We believe that you still have the power to open people's hearts to the word of the gospel. So let's be believing that that's gonna happen. And then I'd like to encourage you I'll explain this one. Let's become great at being small. What on earth are you talking about? You mean you want us to shrink as a congregation? No. Actually, we're growing. We're pretty much back to pre-COVID attendance live, plus usually on most Sundays another four to 500 people on watching live as their church service. And so we've actually grown quite a bit as a congregation in the last few years, but... But you know, the more you grow, the smaller you need to get because it just becomes even more important that people find relationship and connection places and discipleship. So I'm borrowing a phrase from one of our members here at church, Harvey Herman. Harvey's been a longtime friend, national discipleship leader in Chi Alpha, uh, and therefore, because of my background, a longtime mentor in my life. And Harvey's leading discipleship groups for us right now, where after a year, the people in that group could go and do the same with another group. We just need to be intentionally. We, we're not an event-driven church, we're a disciple-making church, and just investing in people, getting people in a relationship, praying together. That this is what it's all about. So I had Harvey come in and spend four different weeks with my leadership, our leadership team, our pastoral team, this past fall, and on the last session, I mean, he just floored us, he just, he just looked at us and said, you know what, central needs to be great at being small. And I go absolutely, absolutely, and I'm loving our small groups, but uh, and our life groups and my wife's I pray prayer groups, nine of them, and our, our our moms groups that are beginning, and 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 I'm loving all those groups that meet. And discuss the scriptures with Pastor Jim in the chapel every Wednesday night, and in um, the men's groups, and, and just there's groups throughout the, the Sunday morning classes. There's groups. We have, we have over 50, well over 50 groups right now, in the life of the church. But we need to keep growing those. In Acts 20:20, 20, 20, Paul said to the leaders of the church at Ephesus, "You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly." and from house to house. That's Acts 20:20. 20, 20. Some people call this the 2020 vision of the first century church. They met publicly at like this. I hope these gatherings keep growing. I want them to be places. That, I want our Sunday services to be places and other services to be places that are scripturally thoughtful and spiritually engaging. We need the whole community. Isn't it wonderful being together even all in one service today? But... But uh, we also need the house-to-house dimension. And so that's going to require kind of our third strategic step that I want to invite you to to help us be a part of. And that's to raise up 50 new volunteer leaders in the next three years in the life of our church. That'll probably mean we have to grow by 500 people as a church. But for every leader that we raise up, not not just volunteers, but a leader, like a teacher of a class, a leader of a small group, uh, Uh, a a leader of a volunteer outreach team for every leader we have eight to 12 other people can be connected to the life of the church in a strategic way and and it just always happens when when churches increase their capacity in terms of the number of volunteer leaders uh, your capacity to minister to people grows your capacity to love people your capacity to to connect people just grows your capacity to equip and reproduce spiritually in people just grows and i would love to see us add 50 new volunteer leaders in the next three to four three years it'd be an amazing thing so when i look at this strategic look let, let's let's think outreach and everything we do let's become a church that's great at being small and let's uh, Let's believe God and work towards 50 new volunteer leaders. God's speaking to some of you about not just volunteering, but a leadership position even now. And I encourage we need you. Springfield needs you. Um, What Jesus is doing in our city. We're not the only church in the city, thank God. But but what he's doing here, we need you. And may God bless you. That's the strategic look. And we end with the prayerful look, the prayerful look. When I look through the door, um, this is the picture I see. And I realize I've probably shown you this picture two or three times in the last three years. I know this picture moved on me in a powerful way two years ago. It's just a picture of people with their hands up in the air, but you kind of get this sense of of, of what Revelation depicts as, as the prayers of God's people laced with praise are like the incense of heaven itself. And Revelation 8 says someday, no matter what you're praying for, no matter what you're yearning God for, Someday God's gonna take those prayers and throw them back into the earth and bring to consummation everything we anticipate. Our prayers will never be wasted. Um, A guy wrote me, uh, a man wrote me from from our congregation just this week, and he said, it is so refreshing to be a part of a community that is as hungry for God's presence as I am. I love that. I love being a part of a church that's as hungry for God's presence as I am. And that's what we are. We're hungry for God's presence. Now, David said in Psalm 141, verse 2, may my prayer be set before you like incense. And may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Prayer set before him like incense. And the lifting of my hands like the evening sacrifice. I'm loving the way on Wednesday nights our discussion groups after the scriptures part. Pray together. I'm loving that my wife's leading nine, nine women's prayer groups who just do nothing for an entire hour but fill heaven with the incense of prayer. I'm loving the way our classes are praying for each other. I love the way our prayer partners pray for people here Sunday morning. I love the way in our services we have these unscripted moments where we just all lift our voices in intercession. I love the, the the Sunday night like tonight will be as a part of our celebration, but as we do every month this year on the first Sunday night of the month, our our prayer and praise service, some of the most powerful services we have. I mean, they just waiting on God, filling the throne room of God with the incense that changes the world and being a place that's just authentically hungry for God. So I close with this, back to what Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia. Let's finish verse eight. The first part is, I've opened a door for you that no one can shut. And And then he says, and it sounds like an insult, but it's just a statement of reality. I know that you have little strength, but you've kept my word and not denied my name. I feel like that's central. To Philadelphia, he was saying, I know you have little strength. You don't have as much money as the church in neighboring Laodicea. And uh, and you're not as large as the neighboring church in Ephesus. And you haven't needed the courage that your neighboring church in Smyrna has needed where people are already being imprisoned and martyred. So, he said, you know, you don't tend to rank top in everything, just like us. We're not the richest church in town. We're not the biggest church in town and we're not the smallest either. But here's what's been true of Central all through our years. We have, we have kept his word and we have not denied his name and And he said, I I just know it, but that's that's why you need me. So here he goes. He said, I know you don't have much strength, but the first words of the next verse are the two words, I will. (laughs) I'm gonna do something that you don't have capacity for anyway, but I will do it. So you keep lifting the incense of prayer to my throne because I'm on the move in our world. and, And you've stayed faithful to me. And I'm going to do something mighty. You don't need to be the biggest church or the smallest church. You don't need to be the richest church or the poorest church. You've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. So I will. And he goes on and says, even in your city, the spiritual things that oppose you right now are going to come through the signs, the wonders, the healings, the working of my spirit. They're going to come, and they're going to have to admit, God really is among you after all. That's what they're going to be admitting. Thank God for that. Thank God. Are you in on that? Are you in on that? And we start thinking outreach and everything we do. We start being great at being small. And we start raising up more volunteer leaders. And above all, we keep filling the throne room of God with the incense of our praise and our prayer because this is about only what he can do, not what we can do. Will you stand with me, please?